Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Worldwide. So in this podcast, I basically go over some of the education and healthcare systems as well as how nations are dealing with the coronavirus because it's honestly overtaking the world at this time and it's something I think is important to look into. So I will definitely be addressing all of those things within this podcast and I'm very excited about today's episode because we will be talking about Peru, the South American country that I'm sure many of you have heard of. I've always wanted to go to Peru actually and I think it comes from my geography obsession as a kid but and that might also be a result of my parents but I've always been really interested in countries and just learning more about places and wanting to go to places so Machu Picchu and Peru and South America in general has always been near the top of my list so I'm excited to look into Peru today for sure. So I wanted to begin by looking at health and more coronavirus-related concerns as well as statistics. So as of right now, Peru has confirmed to have 354,000 cases of the virus and about 240,000 have recovered and there has been 13,000 deaths. And Peru is actually fifth in the world for the most coronavirus cases with the United States being number one. So that means that Peru is in the top five for countries that are being most affected. And what's interesting is Peru actually imposed one of the earliest and strictest lockdowns in Latin America to help stop the spread of the coronavirus. But Honestly, the cases have been rising rapidly ever since. It's a, it's a very similar situation to the United States. So the U.S. went on lockdown around March 14th officially. And on the other hand, Peru went on lockdown March 16th, just a few days after. But definitely not as many cases as what we have here. But still, it's on the rise and it's within the top five of the world which is obviously a concern and something that we want to help contain and not spread. So even the president of Peru, Martin Vizcarra, is saying that this is definitely not what was expected. And although things are improving, it's just not, it's not ideal. And I've been reading a lot of articles and looking into details about why the situation is the way that it is in Peru because it's not expected for sure and some people are saying that it's due to border closures and curfews but it's still not enough to explain why exactly there's so many cases. Peru's lockdown like I mentioned before started on March 16th and this makes it one of the longest in the world as of right now. And the daily reported cases of coronavirus are definitely falling, so that's obviously a good thing, but the number of deaths remain quite high, so I'm not sure if you remember, but I told, I mentioned that there are 350,000 cases, but 13,000 deaths, that's a little bit on the higher side for sure, which is concerning. And another problem that I've noticed is Peru is reporting more cases than a lot of European countries and South American countries, but their act their testing in the country is quite low. So you would think that there would be lower cases, but that's not the case. A lot of experts are saying that Peru's healthcare system is underprepared, leading to more deaths, but there are also other economic and social factors that can explain why Peru has been struggling to contain the outbreak. 
and an article that I looked into actually talked about four of these factors, which I wanted to dive deeper into. The first is markets. So this is quite interesting, actually, but about 40% of households in Peru actually do not own a refrigerator. So basically, they just don't own a refrigerator within their house, and that means that they can't stock up on food for many days. So that means that they have to keep frequently going out to markets and stocking up on food constantly, you know, making different meals and getting the groceries and vegetables, fruits, whatever they need. So they're always going out. And the president, Viscara, has been saying that the country's markets are actually the main source of contagion at this point. And for example, at the La Victoria Fruit Market in the capital of Peru, which is Lima, 86% of vendors had the coronavirus in May. And that was in May. It might have even increased by today. And the president also stated that there was markets with 40, 50, even 80% of sellers infected. So what happens when there's situations like this is you go and buy groceries, you get infected. And not only do you get infected, but you come home to your family, you you spread the virus and you the whole family ends up getting it. And if you are asymptomatic or you aren't sure that you have contracted the virus, you can easily spread it to other people by not social distancing or continuing to go out to markets like this. So the government has definitely, you know, looked into this and realized that markets are sites of, like, breeding sites of coronavirus and that they're definitely um, a major factor into why cases are so high. So they have reorganized the markets to help control the spread and hopefully it'll be contained and the numbers will continue to decrease. Another factor, this involves more economic processes, but for the rise of corona cases involves the informal economy in Peru. Basically, this means about 70% of the employed population in Peru works in the informal sector, which is, I want to say, one of the highest rates in Latin America. And this means that the informal sector basically means that um, many of the citizens' jobs are by nature very unpredictable and in environments that make social distancing difficult. So like I mentioned before, the market, be selling selling at markets, just more jobs that are more out in the open and unpredictable where you don't know, it's not like a nine to five sitting in an office kind of ordeal. So you're more prone to spreading the coronavirus or getting it. And this is obviously... An issue because Peruvians who, you know, go work, go to work by using public transport or selling goods in crowded markets or being in a crowded environment, you're more likely to spread the virus, catch the virus. Third, there are banks. You would definitely not think of banks as one of the reasons why the coronavirus is spreading in a country, but that is definitely the case in Peru. The president, Viscara, has recognized banks as critical points of infection very early on in the pandemic, actually. And the problem is, not many people in Peru have a bank account. About 30% of Peruvian adults have a bank account, which makes digital payments largely impossible. So I know in the United States, it's very easy to make online transactions and just use, you know, apps like Venmo or whatever bank you're registered with it's easy to do everything through digital means but if you don't have a bank account a lot of the things that involve money you're gonna have to be going to banks in person to 
cash money or you know take care of business like that but another issue is that many people are losing their jobs and losing a lot of income because of the lockdown measures especially in a not as wealthy country like peru so here comes the problem is the unemployed or people who are losing a lot of money end up going to banks in person because they don't have a bank account. So they're collecting their benefits in person and this is causing large lines at banks, overcrowdedness, and um, large populations at small, in a small area such as a bank. So this has definitely led to an increase in the coronavirus cases as the president has recognized and the government due to the due to this realization has now actually extended banking hours to hopefully stop the gathering of groups of people and large groups of people hopefully these measures are productive and efficient and the coronavirus does not spread as quickly lastly another social factor into the spread of coronavirus cases in peru is social distancing this is probably up there for every country at this point, but it's definitely still a problem in Peru. Essentially, it's predicted that about 11.8% of poor households in Peru live in overcrowded homes, which means, you know, like families have relatives over or they just have a lot of kids that how that their families are bigger or they have more people living in their homes. Whatever the case may be, that's still a significant number for overcrowded homes. And officials have also noticed that there's a lack of social distancing in public places. The reason that this may be occurring is because Peru has especially been on lockdown for so long. I know that ever since March, since the United States went on lockdown, it's really hard to just stay inside your home and minimize gatherings you know, people can get lonely. I know that's not an excuse, but that can definitely be the reason why people in Peru, even the United States, are just not social distancing as much. But I I still I still believe in the power of social distancing because this virus is real and it's very, very scary. So social distancing, wearing your masks, anything of that nature is definitely a must. And the president has said that as the economy begins to reopen, that it'll be necessary to educate on distancing among citizens and improve marketing, transportation, and other systems to facilitate distancing. So the president and and people in Peru have definitely recognized that social distancing is important, necessary, and crucial in helping with the spread of the coronavirus. Now I wanted to go into education like i always do i usually begin with education but this time i thought healthcare and coronavirus in peru was a little bit more significant so i wanted to cover that first but like always i'll be talking about education of course so the peruvian educational system very similar to some of the other nations that i've talked about serves young people from shortly after birth all the way up to university studies but there are some limitations that make the system far from universal. Unfortunately, it's very similar to some of the other countries I've talked about in the past, like India, where rural students are much more likely to receive scholastic assistance than their urban counterparts. And 
rural students are, you know, just not as likely to have a better education. But on the plus side, although slightly underrepresented in the primary and secondary schools, the status of women in Peruvian education has actually improved drastically. So this has opened and led the way for women to, you know, have a better place in society and receive the education they deserve. However, on the contrary, the inclusion of minorities and specifically Native Americans in the education system has continued to remain a work in progress for Peru. There have definitely been some series of initiatives that Peru has attempted ever since they received independence into integrating Native Americans into the system. However, I don't know that they were super successful with that. It's kind of sad. It's sad because in 1990, a total of 72% of the population reported to speak only Spanish. And that might sound irrelevant to you, but in 1961, just about 30 years before, only 60% of people reported to speak only Spanish. So what this means is Spanish is not actually the primary or not the only language spoken in Peru. A lot of the population is bilingual with Spanish and a native language. And what's happening is over time and generations, they're losing that touch with their native language and then becoming monolingual in Spanish. And the number continues to decrease, which is not good. So it's it's important that there are more initiatives and programs that are set in place that help promote the progress when it comes to bilingual education and staying in touch with your roots and your ancestry. A lot of times before in Peru, it was, you know, required that you speak Spanish and that you learn it and that that's the only education that they cover in school. Like in India, for example, some schools are like, you only can speak Hindi, which is the main language. You can't speak whatever else. So that makes students lose touch with that language, their native language or their mother tongue. That's a very similar case to Peru. So it's important that, you know, progress is made and that students, families, adults, everyone continues to remain bilingual if they were born that way. And Peruvian leaders have always seen education as a vital force in economic development because I think I believe in that too. I think a strong education and when students are more involved with education and being academically oriented whether or not they're successful, I think it can definitely lead to a, the, a nation's productivity. So I believe that when there's more focus and priority placed on education or healthcare, that a nation can really succeed. And like I usually do, I will have my links in the description for this episode about different articles and topics that I found interesting about Peru and maybe even some organizations that you can donate to. I know there is a couple like Help Peru and there are a couple non-profit organizations that can really impact Peru and help their nation out. So I will have this in the description. Like I always say, knowledge is the power to cause action. I believe in being knowledgeable and aware of what's going on in other places, not just where you're from. So with that... Thank you for listening to episode 7 and I hope you join me for episode 8.